Welcome to the Conversation of Money podcast. This is the weekly show where we talk about all things money and finances and where we furnish you with information so that you can make the best financial decisions possible. So if you want to be better with money, you want to purchase your first home, you want to learn about investing, where to begin, this is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Peter Komalafe. I'm so thrilled to have you here. So without further delay, let's get into this week's show. So welcome guys to another episode of the Conversation of Money podcast. I hope you guys are well. Um, it's been a busy couple of weeks with guests coming on the show. And whilst we talk about money and finances here, I wanted to branch out a little bit and actually add a little bit more value beyond just the financial tips that I'm providing you guys and really get into the nitty gritty of what it actually means when we live real life. Because let's face it, money is a tool. We have to go out and earn this money in order for us to implement it in aspects of our lives where it's useful. And in doing so, I wanted to touch on a load of different areas. One of them was, you know, a mental health that is a big, big issue right now. Um, how you go on and progress through your career, get a better job, those kind of things. If you're a woman, how is that experience in the workplace for you? How do you progress through the career with the gender pay gap uh, issues that we're facing right now. And this week is another week where I have a very interesting guest who's joining me. She is a recruiter and a mental health blogger. Um, I've known her for a little bit on IG, actually. Um, we follow each other, and she's always had really positive things to say. So she's on the show today to share some really good tips with you guys that I hope will enrich you. We're going to do this over two weeks because we had this initial meeting, and there was so much that came out of it that I thought, right, Let's not try and jam it into one show and miss things. Let's do it over two and really give you guys some value. So this week, the topic is all about dealing with work stress. We're in COVID-19 mode at the moment where a lot of people will be stressed because of their being furlonged, so on and so forth. Some people looking at the real possibility of actually having to get a new job. And this person is well equipped to give you some tips. Her name is Soraya Stewart. Welcome, Soraya. Hi, Pete. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm a big, big fan of you and what you represent and everything you do for everyone in terms of, you know, financial advice, the do's and don'ts. So, yeah, when I got the message to come on, I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you. Um, and I hope I can provide some value for everyone who's listening. And, yeah, if there's anything that, you know, they're not too sure of, hopefully we can cover that today. So, yeah, really looking forward to giving some information. I appreciate you taking the time to come out and actually, you know, spend some time with me on this because, um, yeah, I, I'm very, very passionate about the fact that, you know, my ultimate goal is to be able to touch people. And this is one thing right now in this time that is really relevant. And a lot of people will be stressed out because of the situation at work. I mean, you working as a recruiter, what has been your initial kind of experiences with the lockdown and, and people being furloughed? So recruitment has been a really hard industry at the minute because a lot of people have been furloughed. It's hard to recruit people and people aren't actually going to work. Mm -hmm. And for me, I'm a technology recruiter. A lot of my roles are based over in Germany. So I not only have to think of the UK impact, I have to think of a global impact outside of the UK as well. And keep an eye on things like that too. The industry is changing within technology. Demand is changing. What clients want are changing. People's decisions are changing in terms of job security and, you know, not wanting to change, which I understand. 
Some people are losing contracts and need jobs straight away. And then I also have to manage the expectation of industries slowing down and other Mm -hmm. industries picking up. There have been a number of people that I know who have been furloughed. Some people have been made redundant. It's very different across many different recruitment companies. It's been very interesting. It's been a very interesting month or so, let's put it that way. Everyone sort of remaining positive and hoping things will return back to normal. Our clients are giving us confidence in some areas. Good. But some people just aren't sure. So it's got to play it by it. Yeah, I think it's the way the, lie, the land kind of lies at the moment in the fact that there is so much uncertainty. And whilst we don't know what's going to happen, we have to keep positive in the fact that we will get to a point where it will be business as usual. It's just a question yeah. of whether it's going to be in three weeks' time or whether it's going to be in six weeks' time. We don't know that. That we can't control. I mean, the main thing we can control right now is the, the mindset that we have towards this whole pandemic issue. Exactly. All about mindset. Um, I think that right now people just need to concentrate on what they can control. And it's really, it's a really, it's a really tough time because nobody's ever been in this position before. And for me as a recruiter and as someone that deals with mental health, I have to look at it in a position of have a job to do, but at the same time, I deal with mental health myself. So I've got the business aspect of me needing to reach targets, but then there's also the mental health aspect of I need to manage myself, but there's also candidates that I have to manage as well. Yeah, sure. So there are so many different ways that I can look at it from a business point of view and a personal point of view as well. So many different ways for me to look at this right now that there's a lot of empathy. Yeah. And yeah, that turns... (laughs) Some people have empathy, some people don't. I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. That's very, very true. That's very, very true. So one of the big things that I wanted to ask you coming on the show, which I was quite curious by, and I have my own experience of this, so I'm I'm interested to hear your thoughts as a recruiter. We always talk about, and it's a big thing right now in terms of getting balance in life. And Mm -hmm. often when you're working in a career, and a job is very, very different to a career. I think let's make that distinction very very, very clear, first and foremost. If you go into a job, it's nine to five. If it's, if it's a career, then it's beyond your nine to five. It's doing what is required 24/7. of you to be successful. So yeah, exactly. It's 24-7. I know in my days working for a firm, I was constantly at it. Weekends, weekdays, that was just me. I was driven. Yeah. And the first question that I have is, is there such a thing as work-life balance? Is it a myth now? Does it still exist? I don't think there is such a thing as a work-life balance. I'll be honest with you, but but that does depend, like you said, whether you have a job or whether you have a career. Mm -hmm. If if you're working a nine-to-five job, you go in at nine o'clock, you're fine. You're an autopilot. Mm -hmm. You leave at five o'clock, you let work go. You don't Mm -hmm. think about it, you go home and you relax for the evening. The difference with a career, for me in recruitment especially, is that I'm constantly checking my emails because I need to make sure that people are okay. Recruitment is very much people management. Mm-hmm. That's, what, that's what it is. It's one thing to, to be able to manage yourself, but it's very difficult sometimes to manage other people. So essentially, I can't switch off. Mm-hmm. Recruitment is definitely... A career, anyone 
any good recruiter will tell you that but you know you have to be on watch all the time you need to make yourself accessible so for me there isn't that much of a work-life balance I have boundaries and that's Mm -hmm. the difference I know when to slow down I know when to say no I know when to take a break but I also think it depends on your objectives Mm -hmm. that's very important where do you see yourself what do you want to achieve all of those things contribute towards your work-life balance and I think that you know if you have an objective if you want to go somewhere if you have a target you have to make sacrifices you have to make sacrifices I remember when I was doing graduate recruitment I was doing interviews on Sundays Mm. sometimes I was doing interviews at 10 o'clock at night. I was doing coaching calls a day before our assessment days at half 10 at night. I didn't have lunch breaks, but it was worth it. It was a very short-term thing. It wasn't something that I planned to do to work like that for, you know, the long term. But I knew that if I wanted to reach a certain level, I had to outwork every other recruiter. Mm -hmm. I needed to do what other people we're not going to do. And I don't think many people would be on the phone at half past 10 doing interviews. That's very, very true. I, I think I would absolutely agree with that. And I think, I think it's clear that in, the, in, the, in Europe, we tend to work the longest hours. So the, the mm. data tends to suggest. And I had an issue last year where I, I had pneumonia, quite severe mm. pneumonia. I was actually very, very lucky. And me being me, I'm a workaholic. I like to work. So yeah. I fell, cracked my ribs and just thought, yeah, it's going to be okay. It's a cracked rib. I'll go to the hospital. They'll give me ibuprofen and just tell me rest for a few days. So oh, it's wow. like a Sunday. And I went to the hospital on a Thursday and on the Wednesday night, actually, no, I went on the Friday morning. On the Thursday night, I couldn't lie down to sleep because I couldn't breathe. But when I went to the hospital, they said, well, you actually, you've got double pneumonia and you are, you're literally running around with like one lung. If you had come here like Saturday morning and I was going to go to a golfing event on Friday, my, my, my partner was like, no, you're not taking you to the hospital. She got me in the car, went to the hospital and, she got, and they went, if you'd got here on Saturday morning, your oxygen levels would have been so low that we would not have been able to do anything. And when I look back at that, I think, right, why did it take me so long Mm. to go to the hospital? It's not like I'm essentially scared of the hospital, but what went through my mind was, well, I've got this meeting to do. I've got to go see this client. I've got X, Y, Z. I I can't just like not go and do these things. And I wonder if you find that that tends to be um, a common mindset for people when when you recruit them, excuse me, when you recruit them into jobs. Is that something that people are prepared to do uh, they have a mindset of, of of being like I would definitely say it depends on the industry a lot of my work sits in Germany and the culture in Germany is is very different to the UK they have strong boundaries they do not do overtime it's mm. unheard of you're not actually allowed to ask legally oh okay for people to to do overtime they are very, very strict over there. And they, they, they definitely believe in a work-life balance. And um, it kind of taught me a couple of things when I was speaking to people. And it kind of made me think, do I need a little bit more balance? Because mm-hmm. it was a, it's, it's different. Like it's, it's very different to what I have been used to when working in recruitment. My very first recruitment role was in medicine. 
Mm-hmm. I recruited for A and E. Very busy. Um, A and E doctors constantly working, especially in the UK. You know, um, if they're not working for the NHS, then they do locum work. Mm-hmm. So yeah, a lot of people wanting to work a lot of hours. Then I moved on to graduate recruitment. You've got you know younger people between the ages of like. 18 to 30 that are money hungry they are going to work any hours every hours they're just very very money hungry and they don't care about working extra hours when you've just come out of university you know and you want to land that first big job so yeah it it it, it depends I don't I don't know if there's like a a one size fits all to an extent um but yeah it's just about being um adaptable to people and understanding that's one thing I've had to learn is understanding people's motivations understanding why they do things understanding why it's the why that's what i mean you know you need to find out yeah. why yeah. yeah things like that yeah so from a so if you have a company that approaches you to recruit for a particular role yeah i know that you just said that obviously it's, it's different in germany because the culture is different yeah have you found that i'm interested in the uk market to, to be fair do you find that companies expect people to go the extra hour and go yeah. the extra mile more than anything else. Because one big question I always have, and that's always been the back of my mind whenever I've worked in a business is, yeah. do you essentially sacrifice the potential career progression because you seek work-life balance? And can the two co- coexist at the same time? Can you have work-life balance, but still get the career progression that you want? not in the corporate world I don't think it works like that in the corporate world my my role now is half eight until half five if anyone leaves at half five they get frowned like you don't leave at half five (laughs) 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 you do not leave at half five like you have to explain yourself why you're leaving at half five if you leave it if you leave at half five it's just not something that you do However, the team that I work for, we are the best team in the company because we put the extra hours in. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to like plug myself. I won um, recruitment consultant of the quarter. Got that award about two days ago. Very and nice. Congratulations. Thank you. I know why I got that job because I put some serious man hours in. Like I, I joined the company not that, not that long ago. I think I've been with them about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it was pretty unheard of, if I'm honest with you, to get, you know, top delivery consultant that quickly. Mm-hmm. I've done it that fast because I said to myself, I was like, right, if I want to do this, what do I need to do that's different to everyone else, different to all the other recruiters? So I had to put the extra hours in. Yeah. You know, you have to build good relationships. It does take extra hours. And to be honest with you, you know, leaving on time, I just don't think that's in the UK culture. I, I, I think it's an unwritten rule in the contract. You, you do overtime, corporate world. You know, if your time is five o'clock that you finish, you leave at quarter past five. If you yeah. start at half eight, you should probably be there by quarter past eight. Although I don't do that. I rock up at about 20 past. But I stay extra hours. So there's give and yeah. take. There's, give and, there's give and take. There's yeah. give and take. And I think a lot of it is down to how the contracts are now written in terms of, I know that I've certainly been at places where it, you're required to do the hours necessary to fulfill the, the role or the purpose of your role. So yeah. 
when with that in the contract and I remember I remember going to the one role and that was clearly pointed out to say look mm. this is not a nine to five you you are required to do whatever hours are necessary in order for the purpose of your role to be fulfilled and I think yeah they're very very cute in how they actually put that in but do you think that that adds puts more stress on people from a work perspective with that kind of language in, in contracts yeah definitely I, I and this is my personal view I don't think it's so bad when you're salaried mm-hmm. but when you're on an hourly wage and people are expecting you to do extra hours but they don't want to pay you for it yeah I think that's the sting mm-hmm. and I think and I feel like that is where companies are being greedy and they're being very selfish because mm-hmm. that happened to me when I was younger um didn't know any better definitely it's definitely not something that I would do now and I would always advise people you know speak up and make sure you get your hours paid mm-hmm. because if you're going to be if you're going to be working the extra hours make sure you're getting paid for it um if I am working the extra hours I know that it's going to get me a commission so yes I might be stressed but I know that there's a monetary reward mm-hmm. for that stress but you have to make sure it's it's worth it do can is that stress necessary is that stress worth you working the extra hour? Mm-hmm. You know, is that worth your health? If it's going to tip your health over the edge, then it's definitely not worth it. I have to say that not all money is good money. Yeah, that's so, very, very true. It's, yeah. it's, it's very relative, but if you're going to do that extra time, make sure you're getting paid. Mm. Make sure you're getting paid because it's only fair. And like I said, I just feel like for people that are on wage, hourly wages, I find that they are most likely to be taken advantage of. Yeah. And it is very stressful. You're saying an extra hour and you're not getting paid for it and you still have bills to pay, but that company is reaping the awards of your effort? No. Yeah. I think you mentioned a couple of things that were really important just going back is number one, boundaries, and number two, um, your why. And whenever I do sort of like coaching with people, I always talk about, okay, what's really important to you right now? Because I I personally believe that that personal drive, your personal why, will help you do those extra hours or at least help you cope with that work stress because you're doing it for a particular reason. But if you are on an hourly contract where there isn't any commission, there isn't any bonus, so you are effectively doing that extra hour knowing that you're not going to get paid and you feel obliged to because, well, if you don't, you might get fired and you have that real fear. Having yeah. boundaries around, well, actually, this isn't something that I'm prepared to do, and speaking up becomes really important. Yeah. It's tough because, again, I have been in, in that position. I made the ultimate sacrifice, and I left that role. Um, purely because my boundaries were being overstepped. I knew that the pay was being adjusted so that we weren't being paid for extra Mm -hmm. hours. I then went out and got a second job and things still weren't working out there. Mm -hmm. And I had thought to myself, is this worth it? And the answer was no, it it, it wasn't worth it. it. It wasn't. And I think boundaries are something that we are not taught about. 
Mm -hmm. So sometimes people don't know how to form them and they don't know how to assert them either. It's one thing to form a boundary. It's another thing to assert it. Mm -hmm. Because if you suddenly create these boundaries and for years and years and years, you've never had any boundaries. So people have always asked you to do things and you've always said yes and everything's been fine. The minute you turn around and say to a boss, do you know what? I'm not actually happy with that because I don't feel as if you are paying my paying for my time and essentially that is what I'm here for I'm here to do a job you know this is I'm not a charity you know you have to pay me mm-hmm. what's gonna have fit they're, they're, they're gonna be like where's that come from yeah, Why yeah that, you know you reacted like that and depending on the type of contract that you're on depends on your rights around it well okay so if you have been in a role for under two years your workplace can get rid of you, no questions asked. Mm -hmm. It's the same redundancy as well. You can be made redundant if you're under two years, you know, first in, last out, but you don't really have any rights in a role Mm -hmm. if you've not been there for two years. Also, zero-hour contracts. Someone's on a zero-hour contract. It's very difficult to say no to someone when you're actually depending on that person to give you hours for the next week. Mm-hmm. And nobody takes a zero-hour contract by choice. Yeah, sure. Absolutely, yeah. Nobody. So if someone's on a zero-hour contract, it's because they have to be there. So if someone says, oh, can you stay an extra 15 minutes? You know, it'd really help me. Yeah. And they do it every single week. Add that 15 minutes up at the end of the year. It's tough because people want roles. They, they want money. But managers know sometimes the position that people are in and they take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. And I definitely believe that there needs to be some safeguarding around this. There most certainly does. I I agree with you on the whole, the two-year, Bob, because it's under employment law. If you've not been in a company for two years, they can essentially do whatever they want. And unless I believe it's for discrimination, racism, that kind of stuff, sexism, then you might have a case, but you then have to take them to a tribunal, tribunal. To, to get any recourse. And they will, you still have to have a pretty strong case for, mm-hmm. for anyone to basically take it on board. So I agree with yeah. you, there needs to be some safeguarding. So how, if you are in a situation where you're in your, your job, and let's just say you're a year and a half in, 18 months in, and there's yeah. this constant demand that you've got to do more, you've got to do more, you've got to do more, and you're feeling more and more stress. How can you subtly introduce and enforce those boundaries? It's a good question. It's a very good question. There's, there's a few ways. Be direct and just say, I really, you know, I appreciate the, the fact that you're giving me hours and I appreciate the fact that I have this role. I really love the company. I really enjoy the company. However, I need to make sure that I have time for myself and my well-being so I won't be able to work these next few hours. I hope you can appreciate where I'm coming from as my health comes first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, there's assessing it like that. You can put it in an email. So, you know, sometimes you might want to address something face-to-face and sometimes yeah, sure. people find things easier, easier to, to write down. There's that. Uh, there is going down the HR route 
which I know some people have actually done that in my office quite comfortably. How does it go down though? Because again, you always have that fear of, well, if I do this via the HR route, then hang on a second, this might come back and bite me in the bum at some point in the future. So how do you navigate that? Do you know, this person, they, because we have, we have different Friday hours Mm. and um, because we stay like 15 minutes extra at half five, right? This person has emailed the HR to be like, oh, as I stay an extra 15 minutes every single day and because we have flexi hours on Friday, Uh at what time can I leave? Because the actual time is four, but given the fact that I do extra hours every day, I feel that that should be reduced. <laughs> HR's fine. HR's like, yeah, that's fine. You can leave it three. It's not a problem. Yeah. But our boss was not <laughs> impressed. But this person's there. They've been there for years. They do really well. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, it, and, it, and it worked for them. To be honest with you, HR's always on your side. Yeah. Always on your side. HR are for the people. Really for the people. And they will look after you and they will look after your well-being because that is what HR is supposed to do. However, I would always recommend going to your line manager first. Don't go to HR first. As your first port of call. From a business point of view, you're supposed to. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you don't necessarily want to bite the hand that feeds you. Absolutely, you know, try, yeah. Try and speak to them first. And, and, and say to them that your health and your well-being comes first. Any human being will understand that. And if a human being doesn't, maybe ask yourself why you're in that company. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I would agree with you on that. So isn't, is there an element, I hate this phrase, but kissing up to the boss. Like, <laughs> I, I learned in corporate world that it doesn't matter what, you're doing or what company you're at what industry you're at you have to at some stage in your career if you if you're serious about progressing try to form an alliance or alliances relationships with your senior members of the company you have to and how you do that people take different approaches some people will volunteer to do extra things over mm-hmm. and above and beyond their job some people will say have a target do 150% and make sure that everybody knows that they're at 150%. People use the word kissing up and kiss arsed and all that kind of stuff. I don't necessarily agree with that term, but yeah. what's your view on that in that kind of situation where, hang on, you're being asked to work extra hours, but you also know that there's an element that I do want to progress in this career. I do want to go further in this organization. How do you strike that balance? Okay, so for me personally, it always helps to be nice to the boss. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest, it does always help to be nice <laughs> yeah. to the boss. But do you know what? I'm nice to my team. If people in my team need help, if someone needs to get their work done, if they need help with a CV, I'll help them. And I think more than anything, it's always good to be nice to the boss. But when you're when when you're nice to your team members and you're supportive of your team they're going to be the ones that vouch for you. Mm-hmm. And if your team are your supporters, and if your team like you, then naturally your boss is going to like you. Mm-hmm. If your team don't like you, because you're always, you know, brown nose into the boss, 
don't do it. <laughs> he might like you just because, you know, you might make them loads of money or, or whatever. But I think getting along with your team and being kind-hearted towards your team and helping your team members out, you cannot go wrong. You, you cannot go wrong. Other things may work, but for me and my experience is, you know, getting along with people around your manager, around your boss, because they'll start singing your praises as well. Mm, true. And that'll just part of the seed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's, for me, that's what works. Cool. So on the whole work stress thing, so it's a really big topic. I know that people would deal with it in different ways. And for some yeah. people, they're comfortable saying, well, actually, look, I'm going through a really hard time right now. Other people don't feel as comfortable enough to have that conversation to say, look, I'm struggling. I need a little bit of time. What are maybe one or two tips that you can give in your experience for people who might be dealing with work stress at this point in time? Okay. So I know we've already said boundaries, but mm-hmm. that's like top of my list. Mm-hmm. Have the boundaries. Be organized. If you know what you're doing and you can see what you're doing, that makes things ten, that makes things ten times easier. For me, with anxiety, my worry is always about things that I can't see yet. Right. Okay. That, that's that's the issue, and I don't know. Maybe it's a bit of an oxymoron because I just don't sometimes feel like recruitment and like you know anxiety go together because it's probably the most stressful job one one of the most stressful jobs in the world so I had to I started reading like a load of self-help books and all of this kind all of these kinds of things and one thing that I did learn was to be organized I have lists for absolutely everything like I have a whiteboard in my room I write everything that I need to do down and that is something that, that really does help. I'd also recommend people to listen to a book called Eat That Frog. I've just listened to it recently. Okay. It's by, okay. It's by Brian Tracy. He's a very famous author and um, self-help coach. Okay. But yeah, Eat That Frog. Huge, huge recommendation. I'd also say um, motivation is key. Remembering your why can help you to balance the stress. It can really help you to manage that stress. If you can remember why you're doing something, you know, it can it, it can help. It can mm-hmm. help you to stay on track and stay on target. Yeah. And don't take on more than you can handle. If you have an amount of tasks which are more than enough, don't take on something just because your boss wants you to do it. Mm-hmm. Learn to say no. Mm. I know that's I know that again, that's a boundary. But I feel that sometimes people will just take things on because, you know, they'll feel like, right, okay, I need to do a really good job. I need to do this. I need to do that. But if you have more than enough work going on, stick with what you've got. It's better to do a smaller number of something or something well than to do a large amount really badly. Mm. I don't, you know. I think- yeah. And I think as well, for most people in a workplace, if you take something on from your boss and you do it really poorly, it's probably going to reflect on you even worse because yeah you probably had the opportunity to say look i've got i've got a load on i'm going to struggle to get through this he would rather or she would rather delegate it to somebody else who will do the job at at a at a decent sort of standard and mm-hmm. i guess it would serve you better to have be brave enough to say look i've got a lot on i wouldn't be able to mm-hmm. give this my best shot and i think a lot of it will be around phrasing how you put your point across as well yeah 
I went through this exact same thing when I first joined my company and I worked slowly, but everything that I'd done was done well to a higher quality. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. We have targets for um, CV sends, interviews, et cetera, et cetera. We're supposed to get a certain amount. If you look at my targets and what my KPIs are, in comparison to someone else, I'm probably less than half of some of my colleagues, mm-hmm. even even over like the last quarter. But that's because I, I, I've taken my time and I've built my confidence as well. I think people need to, you know, build, build your confidence, make sure that you're confident and you feel capable in, in what you want to do. Mm-hmm. My boss said to me, you know, oh, you should take more things on. You know, your CV ratios are in half, which means if you double them, you know, you'll make even more money. And I'm like, I, I know that, but mm-hmm. I don't feel confident yet. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. There's always an element of pushing yourself, but I think you need to have that, that confidence, that self-belief and that capability before you take on more than you can chew, because it could go hor- horribly wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's something they call it um, sub- subconscious competence or something like that, where you get to the oh. point where you're so used to doing something that it's almost second nature. And I think yeah. within any professional environment, once you get to that level, you're able to ratchet up your output because you know all the things that you need to do well in order for you to do a great job and be yeah. recognized for the fact that you're doing a great job as well. I do, want yeah. to, I do want to touch on something else, and this is a really important one. And you said it, and I was like, mm, that's a really good point. You talked about being organized. Yeah. I had a conversation with one of my old colleagues from Canary Wharf, maybe about four to five weeks ago. And um, Chris, he's a great guy. Um, he talked about having a routine. Like he's mm. got he's got a set routine now, and he goes ever since he's introduced that, that has been a huge difference to not just his work life but actually his home life as well. You talk yeah. about being organized. I wonder when we talked about work life balance, how much yeah. of an impact do you think that that could have from working in the workplace and actually dealing with work stress? being organized to help do that would would you do you feel that that would actually work yeah there's definitely power in routine I am very much someone who works on lists however I did recently get a life coach just because I wanted some extra motivation Mm -hmm. and she said to me right you've got a whiteboard I want you to write down a routine of what you do in the mornings what you do at lunch and what you do in the evenings and set yourself a bedtime and put your phone down a little bit earlier. Mm. And I looked at where I was busy, where I was quiet. I could see everything clearly. And I thought, actually, I needed an hour to do this. And then I could fit this in. And then I'm going to proof up on this day. I'm going to do this on this day. And I've actually been able to fit in more than what I thought, rather than just plucking something from my brain Mm. so I would say there is definitely power in a routine because it enables you to see your life clearly on paper and you might be able to have more balance I can't promise that but (laughs) if you can see what you're doing and you can see it clearly you can plan better and you know I can't remember what the saying is for there's a planning saying but I can't remember what it is Mm. You know, if you plan for something, plan for today, live for tomorrow. Is that what it is? Yeah, there, there's that one. And there's also um, uh, 
failure to plan is planning to fail. There's that's, that's the one that's a very popular one that that people always refer to as well. That is the one that I was looking for. That that was actually yeah. That's yeah. the, that's the perfect one. So, yeah. yeah. So probably the last one that I sort of have for you. Obviously, we're looking at people being furloughed right now, um, okay. and that in itself is being a load of stress. I know a ton of people are furloughed. I know uh, people who have, are running their own businesses and they can't even furlough themselves because of the way they're taking salaries and, and dividends and so on and so forth. And yeah. that really does. That is really stressful. In fact, I spoke to yeah. one of them um, earlier today. What advice do you have just in general times now with COVID, COVID and people being furloughed? Any ways of actually mm-hmm. dealing with stress generally? In regards to business, mm-hmm. I, I have a friend who's in the exact same position as what, as what you've just mentioned. And what that business has done, they have uh, made three different plans okay. for the business. So they have planned for folding the business. Mm-hmm. They have uh, planned for taking the government grants. Mm-hmm. And they have also planned for, um, so they planned on closing, they planned on taking the government grants, and they've planned on just continuing the business as it is. Mm-hmm. So how long will they be able to survive if they don't take it? So business aspect, planning is key. And I would most certainly say to people right now, if you're furloughed, make sure you know what you are entitled to. Mm-hmm. You need to know your entitlements. Because the, the furlough scheme is 80% of your salary, your employer can top it up by an extra 20%. They don't yeah. have to. Yeah. I do believe that's in the minority. I haven't mm-hmm. actually heard of many people right now whose employers are, if I'm honest, like maybe one or two. It's not It's not mm-hmm. huge amounts. Everyone's trying to save for, um, for cash flow. Yeah. So, you know, it's rare, but it is there. So I'd definitely say make sure you know what you're entitled to, whether you have a business or, or whether you're employed. Speak to your line manager. You need to have an aim for open communication. I would hope that anyone in the business right now is having open communications with their line manager and they can speak to their line manager and find out what's going on with the board. So do the board mm-hmm. of directors know what's going on at the moment? Realistically, when is your furlough going to end? Mm-hmm. If you haven't been furloughed now, will you be furloughed in three weeks' time? Right, okay. That's something you need to know. Because my company are reviewing it on a week-by-week basis. And if I'm honest with you, when I heard people were being furloughed, I was like, Oh my gosh, mm. is that going to be me? Mm-hmm. So the first thing I done, I picked up the phone because I have anxiety. I was very anxious. Oh, yeah, I, I can imagine. Insane. I was working from home, and I said to myself, "Right, well, I need to work, but I can't work because I don't know what's going on with my job." Mm-hmm. They hadn't spoken about furloughs. They hadn't spoken about redundancies. And I'm not joking you. I'd heard of about twenty companies that are making redundancies, mm-hmm. but for some reason, my company isn't doing that. They're just doing furloughs. So I called my boss and I said to him, look, what's going on with my position? Will you follow me? Will you not? Either way, I needed to know what was happening because mm-hmm. I needed to know how to plan. But can't plan if I don't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that people really need to know right now. Don't, don't sleep on it. I know it's really easy to do if you're an anxious person. That's probably the easiest thing for you to do in the world is to just sleep on it. Yeah. If you're in a position right now of work, you need to know if you're going to be furloughed. If you're on furlough right now, say to your line manager, when 
I think I think people are being brought back on the first of June, but yeah. furloughs yeah. a minimum of three weeks. They can be back brought back earlier. Right. Okay. So find out when you come back from your furlough. How likely is it that you're going to be made redundant? If that's something they're talking about, that's a horrible thing to think about. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. It's a it's not a nice thing, and I and I don't want to scare anyone. I really I genuinely do not want to scare anyone. But if you can have an open conversation with your line manager, I know, I know, I can't mention the recruitment company, it's huge. But <laughs> <laughs> I tell you when we start recording, <laughs> there's one very, very large recruitment company right now. They're massive. I have a friend that works with them. I had a conversation with him two weeks ago. He said, my manager said to me, you're on furlough, but look for a new job. Really? Wow. Wow. He's been with that company four years and he was said, right, he's been furloughed, but he's been told to look for a new job. So he's putting a business plan together right now because he's half being paid, might as well just put together a business plan. My point is, if your manager can tell you if you're going to be made redundant or not, you can actually start to put contingencies in place now. You're not supposed to be working for another company. It's not illegal to look for another job and start interviewing. So would you say that it's important for people to press their manager for an answer of are there likely going to be redundancies? Because yes. the reality is that everybody's going to be thinking this way and it, it, we're going, likely going to end up in a situation where the job market is going to be flooded. So it's important to yeah. get a head start if yeah. that is going to be a real possibility. Yeah. I would say, you know, your line manager is going to be under pressure right now. Of course, they're probably, they, they, have, they I can guarantee you, they definitely have the same concerns because they earn more money. Mm-hmm. And they're probably called bigger mortgages. Yeah. So they probably are going to be having the same concerns as what you have. So press them for information. They're probably going to be pressing their directors for information. But it is so important that you know, just so you can plan ahead. Really, I can't stress that enough, how important that is, you know, to be able to plan ahead, to be able to look for jobs, have a good CV put together and be able to prepare for the future. I would also say stay active. I know that might seem, you know, oh, why am I going to stay active? For me, a big part of my mental health is actually self-care. Mm-hmm. If my self-care, like if I, if, I, if I stop looking after myself, if I stop exercising, if I start eating badly, it all goes wrong. Yeah. Like, it all goes wrong. That's when the depression hits. That's when I refuse to get out of bed. Mm-hmm. That's when all, like, lines of communication go down. And if you're working from home, you can't afford to do that. Yeah, sure. You really can't. You're one of the blessed ones right now. I count myself very blessed to actually be able to work from home. So self-management and self-care right now is absolutely key. It, it's so important. It's it's so key. Look into an employee's assistance program right now. Okay. If you're work- a lot of workplaces have employee assistance programs. They're actually becoming very very popular. Mm-hmm. They provide. They can, most of them provide free therapy. So if, if therapy is something that you're looking into right now, they probably provide provide cognitive behavioural therapy. Essentially, what CBT therapy is, is a goal-setting therapy. Usually costs around £40 a month. You can get it on the NHS, but I would imagine the NHS is probably flooded right now. So if your company is paying for it, there should be a phone number. 
if not ask HR, you give them a call. They're generally open for 24 hours. They have a consultation on the phone with you. And then they usually have a group of local therapists around in your local area that you can go to. And as well, a lot of people are going to be willing to save money. So if you don't want to pay for therapy right now, an employee's assistance programme is going to be really, really helpful. Another tip, speak to HR. Again, like I said, HR for the people. They, my HR at my work, have provided a whole list of things to do, like the whole list of how people can maintain themselves. A lot of that I've said, to be honest with you, but mm-hmm. HR are great, and they can also help you with the EAP. Okay. HR is definitely a good one to, to go to. News. Sorry, I just need to make people aware of the news. Stop watching the news. <laughs> stop, stop watching the news. Stop, stop logging on to Daily Mail every hour. If, if, if looking on the news is making you anxious, stop doing it because a lot of it's not really that accurate anyway. Mm-hmm. Like some of it is, some of it isn't. One thing my life coach said to me is she said, give yourself two times a day that you check the news. Maybe it's at 11, maybe it's at four. You only check it then because that's going to make you worse. So, yeah, big advocate on, you know, on, on self-management, on, on what you take in. It's all about what you're feeding yourself at the moment, how you're talking to yourself, things that you're taking in. That's so important. So, so, so important. Two more things. Speak to your colleagues. Find out how your colleagues are feeling. Do they have the same concerns as you? Do they have any inside information? They might do. If your colleagues have been there for longer than you, they might have people that are higher up in the company and can give you some jets. And there are always people like that in the company. No matter what company you go to, there are always people that know information that hasn't been released yet. Mm-hmm. And at a time like this, they might be willing to share it with you. So speak to your colleagues, say to them, you know, what's going on? Do you have any information? And it's nice to know that people are feeling the same as you as well. Problem shared sometimes with colleagues is a problem halved. And, you know, it, help, it helps you to keep your sanity. I've been speaking to a few colleagues. We've been FaceTiming. We've been having lots of conversations. And it's nice to know that people are feeling the same way as you. It helps you to rationalise. Yeah. Rationalise, yeah. ration, rationing the lies away. But it can also help to... Um, you can validate your feelings by speaking to people. Yeah. And I also think that's very important as well. Because you don't want someone to sort of say to you, oh, no, you shouldn't worry about that. When, you know what, it's actually a really valid point. If you, mm. if you need to worry about something, it means you can prepare for something. And speak to your friends as well. Speak to your friends, speak to your family. Other people could be going through similar situations to what you are. But, you know, communicate with your friends and family at this time. Very important to speak to people. And, yeah, you know, keep those lines of communication going. Fantastic. I mean, those I think those are really, really great tips. And... Yeah, I know a lot of people who are feeling the pain right now and a lot of people who are very uh, nervous about things. People have mortgages, rent to pay and yeah. very, very uncertain right now. So a lot of the tips that you've given there are absolutely spot on. On the furlough <clears throat> piece, excuse me, is it's important for people to also understand that you're right. A lot of employers do not have to top up the extra 20%. In fact, I don't know any that are. And it's 80% of your salary up to £2,500. Yes, that still is taxable for income tax and national insurance contributions as well. So your net, depending on you know how much you earn, I haven't actually done the figures, but you'll be you're going to be receiving less than two and a half thousand pounds every single month. But given where we are, it's still something. And I always say to people, and I've been saying on Instagram and on all of my social feeds, that now is the time to make sure that you clearly have a handle on what you've got coming in 
and what you've got going out. That is absolutely crucial. Trying to save as much money as you possibly can, putting it to the side to give yourself a little bit of a safety net is an absolute must right now. You have to really be aware and uh, control your finances. I would certainly agree, especially if you're in a position where your job security, you don't know where your job security is. Mm. That's something to be really mindful of. And um, some companies are also cutting commissions, yep. cutting bonuses, as well as salaries. So that's also something for people to be mindful of. Find out, you know, about that, about your commissions, about your bonuses, because they're not they're not contractual. So they can do that. That's not something that you have to agree to. They can just they can just do that without without warning. You don't really have many rights when it comes to that. So yeah, yeah. People just really need to know their you know their entitlements, what they can have, what's available to them, whether that's through employers or whether that is is through the government. That is that is really 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 key. Really key. That's perfect. Thank you. I mean, this has been a really interesting discussion, conversation for me. And I think we're actually going to do another episode where we're actually going to talk about mm-hmm. what's going to happen in this position where we're going to potentially find ourselves with a lot of people in the job market. How do you get the job? How do you further yourself? Yeah. Because I think for a lot of people, that is still going to be on the agenda, although the starting position might always might be a little bit different than what you anticipated or expected given what's going on right now. So that's going to be, mm-hmm. you're coming back to talk about that. Guys, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I hope you found that interesting. Um, it is a different angle to what you've heard on the podcast previously. And that's been intentional because I want to be able to add a little bit more value and have you guys take away something. And I think particularly talking about work stress and work-life balance, that kind of stuff, and particularly what's going on with you know coronavirus right now and people being furloughed. I hope you found that useful. Um, particularly coming from a recruiter who's worked in the industry for for a while as well and being able to share that experience and that element of expertise. So guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Again, if you have any questions on anything like this, oh, actually, before we go, why don't you tell people how to find you if they want to get in touch with you? Okay, so you can find me on social media, on Instagram under Soraya Stewart. That's S-O-R-A-Y-A-S-T-U-A-R-T. So yeah, if you have any career questions, happy to help. Right, you know where to find out, people. So thank you again for dialing in. I will catch you at the next show next week.